Luke 23 and verse 43. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Father, I pray you'll add your blessings now to the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would uh, be honored and glorified in all that we say and do tonight. I ask you, Lord, to guide our tongue and our lips. And, and Lord, for the, just these next few moments, help us to be an encouragement and a blessing to the church. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I know that we're familiar with this text. A few uh, weeks ago, I preached from Luke 23 and verses 39 down through 43 on the theology of a thief. But tonight, I want to look at just this one verse of Scripture uh, because there's a thought that the Lord uh, has impressed upon my heart. This is the second saying of Jesus when he's on the cross of Calvary. Uh, the first saying is found in verse number 34 as Jesus talks to his Father and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then the second saying here on the cross is found in our text, verse 43, and Jesus is speaking to a thief. And he says to this thief, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, when you think about what Jesus says in this text, this one statement, this one saying of the cross, Today, uh, verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's an interesting statement tonight. And I would say it's interesting for several reasons. Number one, it's interesting because of the truth of what he said. Notice the first word there. He uses that word verily. And the word verily certainly, it just simply means truly. And you know, tonight I can say this is of a truth. And you can say something is of a truth. And some would believe that because they believe your character. They believe your, your conduct. They take you at your word. But the, the truth of the matter is, uh, is that all of us uh, uh, have flaws. We all have faults and, and we can believe something to be true and say it to be true, but we can be mistaken. Isn't that right? Do you realize that everything that Jesus ever said, everything that he ever will say has been nothing but truth. Amen. The reason they crucified the Lord of glory was not because of his goodness. Uh, he healed men. He helped men. Uh, he did all kinds of wonderful things. Uh, but the reason the world hated to Jesus uh, is because the world hates the truth, amen and Jesus cannot tell anything but the truth, the whole truth uh, and nothing but the truth uh, and Jesus says truly everything he ever said is the truth uh, and I'm glad we can say that tonight, amen I'm telling you what we have here in this statement, when Jesus uses this word verily or this word truly, I want you to know tonight it's a promise uh, a drone from the, the bank of heaven, amen, whatever Jesus is about to put forth, whatever he's about to say to this thief, there's one thing this thief can count on, it's going to be the truth, amen, the Bible said buy the truth and sell it not, and one reason this statement is so wonderful is because of the truth of what he said, and then it's wonderful because of the tenderness of what he said, look what he says here, verily I say unto thee, you know it's interesting that Jesus 
Jesus would take time out of his schedule and take time out of Calvary. When you think about what he's doing here, he's purchasing the sin or paying the sin debt. He's purchasing our salvation. He's bearing the weight of sin, the weight of humanity, and the weight of the world. But in spite of all that he's carrying, in spite of the load that is upon him at this moment, he still takes the time to reach out and to show some tenderness towards someone that does not deserve it. I'm gonna tell you, none of us deserve the tenderness of God, but Jesus was so kind. He was so tender. He was so loving that he cared for this thief in both of them's dying hour. And it's a great statement because of the truth of what he said. And it's a great statement because of the tenderness. Jesus had something he wanted to say to this thief, amen. You know, tonight I'm glad that in 2021, Jesus still has something he wants to say to me and he still has something he wants to say to you. I wasn't there the day I was thinking about that old song this morning uh, were you there when they crucified my Lord and you know what the songwriter mean, means is that if you were saved and you've been to Calvary then you were there when they crucified my Lord because Calvary is real to us uh, through the eye of faith uh, but on the other side of that I wasn't there that day when Jesus died at Calvary uh, when he was spoke these words uh, uh, but I think about how much he cared for this thing and how that he was willing to take the time to talk to this thief and how that he's willing to take time and show tenderness to you and I and it's a wonderful statement because of the tenderness of what he says. It's wonderful because of the timing of what he says. Notice the word he uses. He says today thou shalt be with me. The timing is today. You know God always operates in the present doesn't he? He knows the past and he lives in the past and he knows the future and he's always been in the future but just because God dwells in the past and because God can dwell in the future, he doesn't leave us in the present. He's a present God tonight and what Jesus had to say, the promise he's making to this thief is a promise he can take to the bank today, amen. I'm gonna tell you salvation is today, amen. I'm not waiting to be saved. I'm not looking to be saved. I am saved, amen. Every promise God ever made you and I, guess what? We're not waiting for it. It's ours today, amen. We not, may not be there yet, but he is, amen. And my friend, where he lives, we are. And what we have tonight here is this, this statement is so wonderful because of the timing. It tells us that God is a present God, Amen. And then it's a wonderful statement because of the togetherness of it. Look what he said. He said, today shalt thou be with me. Jesus tells this thief, you're gonna be with me today. I think if he'd have never put those last two words on this verse, it, would have never, it wouldn't have mattered to that thief because all that thief wanted to do, he wanted God to remember him when he came into his kingdom and Jesus said, thou shalt be with me. Hey, there's more to this statement we know than just that phrase, but I wanna tell you in that thief's mind, it really didn't matter. He had nothing to lose and everything to gain. All he knew was at this point, wherever he's a going, that's where I'm going and that's good enough for me. And can I tell you, friend, it doesn't really matter in this walk of life where life takes us. As long as I'm with the Lord and he's with me, I abide in him and he abides in me hand in 
in hand we walk together. What makes life so sweet is to walk with Jesus, amen? The togetherness of this verse is what makes it so great. And then because of the treasure that's in this verse and what he says, look what he said. He said, today thou shalt be with me where? In paradise. I wanna preach just a few minutes tonight on that subject on Calvary, the place of paradise. Calvary, the place of of paradise. I, I read that verse this morning and the word paradise has always captured my mind. It's always got a hold of me when I think about paradise and we know that in Old Testament times and before the resurrection, we know that paradise compartment was there uh, in Hades uh, and we know the gulf separated uh, uh, those that were saints from those that were sinners uh, and we know that after the resurrection Jesus cleaned out that uh, compartment, took them, my friend, uh, led captivity captive, brought them out of paradise and move paradise to the glory world in the presence of God. And when we use paradise we're thinking about heaven. Amen. And here this paradise was in the heart of the earth. But what is interesting in verse 43 to me is that Jesus is at Calvary. And if there's any place that we would have thought the word paradise would have never fallen from the lips of our Lord, we would have thought it would have been at Calvary. When you think about the darkness of Calvary and you think about the cruelty of Calvary and you think about the pain and the suffering of Calvary, Calvary was anything but a paradise. Calvary was anything but a place of enjoyment. And when you think about the drudges and the death of Calvary, that's what Calvary was a symbol of. When men went to Calvary, they didn't think about heaven. They didn't think about paradise. They didn't think about peace and tranquility. They thought about suffering and pain and agony, but not this man. Jesus, my friend, is hanging on the cross, suspended between heaven and hell and his arms are stretched out as far my friend between the east and the west and a sinner is on both sides one's going to go to hell and the other one's going to go to heaven but Jesus looks at this thief and in the midst of all of this pain and agony and suffering he uses a word that thief thought he would never hear on the hillside that day he uses the word paradise and can I tell you why he used that word because that's exactly what Jesus did. He took the clutches of Calvary. He took the dregs of sin. He took the agony of the cross. He took the pain and the punishment. All the Calvary had to offer and he turned it into a wonderful place. He turned it into a paradise. You say, preacher, what is Calvary? I'll tell you what Calvary is. It's the gates of my friend, the entrance into paradise. For if you and I are going to go to heaven, if you're going to go to paradise, I'll tell you how you're going to have to go and what you're going to have to go through. You're going to have to go by the way of the cross. You're going to have to go through the shed blood. That's the only way. Calvary is the place of paradise. Amen. I saw that and I about shouted at the house. Amen. I thought about Calvary and I thought about this verse. It's a promise. Look what Jesus said about paradise in this verse. It's promised again. He uses the word verily. It's personal. As he said, I said unto thee. It's present. As he said today, it's precious. As he said, thou shalt be with me. You know why the cross can be paradise and why heaven can be paradise? I'm gonna tell you why. Because the same person that was on 
on this cross is the same person that's gonna be in heaven and the same person that this thief was next to is the same person that he's worshiping tonight. You see, what makes paradise or heaven paradise? It's not the walls of Jasper. It's not the gates of Pearl. It's not the street of gold. It's not the sweet but family reunion. But just as the cross is the center of focus on that hillside this day, the cross is gonna be the center focus in paradise. We're gonna spend eternity worshiping and serving and enjoying the presence of our Savior tonight, amen. And when I look at Calvary and when I think of heaven, what joins those two things together is the Christ of Calvary. The Christ of Calvary is the glories of heaven tonight. What we sing about the old rugged cross uh, is what we'll sing about with an angelic voice uh, in the new body on the other side uh, as we worship our Savior. I remember somebody made this statement one time. They said if heaven wasn't nothing but an old dirt road, if Jesus was standing at the end of it, I'd still want to go. And can I tell you, friend, I would too. Uh, how to listen? I don't. I want to see uh, the sights of heaven, uh, but I'm not going to heaven to see the sights. Uh, I'm going to heaven to see the Savior, amen? I, I wanna see his face, don't you? I, I wanna feel his touch. I, I wanna stand in his presence. And the paradise of Calvary is what was hanging on at the cross that day. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. You say, preacher, when you think about paradise, do you really think about the cross? I do. And I wanna tell you why tonight. Because just as Calvary was a place of rescue, so is paradise. You know what paradise is gonna do? Heaven's gonna rescue us from everything that we cannot escape in this world. It's gonna rescue us from sin. It's gonna rescue us from Satan. It's gonna rescue us from our own self, amen? I'm telling you, as it's already been stated more than once in this service tonight, uh, what bothers me to the most is not the devil. And I thank God he doesn't bother me. He'd do a whole lot more if, if God would let him. But I'll tell you, my biggest battle is this flesh, amen? My biggest battle is this self. If I get disappointed more than anybody, I'll tell you who it is. I, it's not you, uh, it's myself, amen? I'm telling you, I live with myself and I know myself uh, and I know our faults and I know my failures uh, and there's things about self that I just do not like. Uh, I wish I could conquer and it's a daily battle and it's a daily struggle. But thank God when we get inside the gate, you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna be rescued from self, amen? Thank God I won't have to battle the flesh any longer. I won't have to deal with another impure thought. I won't ever have to deal with another wrong motive. I won't ever have to ask God to forgive me for another sin. I won't ever have to be disappointed in who I am. I'll never have to worry about letting others down. I'll never have to worry about falling. I'll never have to worry about faltering. I'll never have to worry about failing. You know what paradise is gonna do? The same thing the cross did. It's gonna rescue us from self. Hallelujah. When I think about the cross and I think about paradise, it's a place of rescue. Calvary, the place of paradise. It is a place of relief tonight. You know, when you think about the cross, you know what it does? It relieves our doubts and our fears. Brother Caleb was testifying tonight and talking about the peace that he's had since he's been saved. That's what Calvary does. He gives you relief, friend. I'm like Brother Laddie, I think there's a lot of people that they're just deceived out in this world. 
Because there, Jesus even asked the question to, uh, to that crowd, that religious crowd. He said, why call you me Lord and do not the things that I say? You know, I worry about people that run around and they'll boldly look at you and tell you they're saved uh, and they don't no more have a desire to live for God and they're living out in sin and they're enjoying their sin. Hey, a backslider can get out in sin, but once you're saved, you'll never enjoy sin after you get saved like you once did before you got saved. You're still capable and I'm capable of doing everything after we get saved that we did before we got saved. The difference is if you're born again, you'll never get the satisfaction. You'll never get the full pleasure that you once got before you got saved. But what you will get is a whipping, amen? You'll get a chastisement. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, they never darken the door of a church. They waller out in the filth of sin and they'll look at you and tell you they're born again. I'll tell you what they've got, friend. They don't have salvation. They have a counterfeit, amen? And they're deceived. And self-deception is worse than satanic deception because listen you can convince somebody that the devil's a liar and a deceiver but you have a hard time convincing them that they've lied to themselves and they've deceived themselves that's why it's the most deadly deception at all and it takes the Holy Ghost to pull the wool off their eyes and let them see themselves as they really are but if you're truly saved I'll tell you what you'll have you'll have a desire to live for God a desire not to sin doesn't mean you won't sin but you'll have a desire not to sin and you'll have a desire to please the Lord. Amen. I know it's Wednesday night and I know it's eight o'clock, but I'm still preaching. You say, you say, Brother Gravely, uh, I, I just, you know, I get out and do some of them things you preach it's wrong and it don't bother me. Then I do some serious inventory. Because just like Brother Laddie said, I can start to say something in the Holy Ghost so you better keep your mouth shut. Well, just what he said, I thought I can identify with that. There's times I've said things and the Lord said, you didn't say that in the right spirit. I mean, if God will deal with you about your spirit and he's no respecter of persons. Hey, people living out in sin and, I, and listen, and enjoying their sin and they're more free than they've ever been, they're not saved, friend. But you look at that person that gets out of church and gets out of the will of God and they get out there and they're in sin and they look miserable and when you get around them, they want to run from you. They want to hide from you, not because you're being judgmental. They just don't want to see anybody living for God. They don't want to be around. They don't want to be reminded because it's torment. It taunts them. It haunts them. Hey, that's the mark of a child of God. Uh, they go to the woodshed. Uh, nothing ever goes right in their life. Uh, they're always down in the dumps. Why? Because they know they're not where they're supposed to be. That's the mark of a child of God. I want to say tonight, uh, but whenever you go to Calvary, Calvary is the place of paradise uh, because that's where our peace, uh, that's where our relief is found. Uh, it is found in the Lord. Amen. And then it's a place of reunion. You know what draws us together tonight? It's the cross. Isn't it amazing somebody can join the church and you don't know them? You don't know anything about them? They can, be, uh, they can be a 15, 20 year age gap. But they join the church and all of a sudden there's a kindred spirit. And you start, you start loving them and they start loving you. And you may have come from different worlds. You may be polar opposites. But there's something that draws us together. You know what draws us together? It's the cross. 
when you get saved, you want to go back to church, amen? I don't believe people that say they get saved and you gotta, you gotta browbeat them to go to church. I don't think they got saved, amen? Now, they might say they got saved, but I tell you, when you get saved, it's just automatic. You wanna go back to the house of God. You wanna be around God's people. We know we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. I'll tell you, I know I'm saved tonight. I love God's people. I love the church. I don't wanna hook up with the heathens. I don't wanna hook up with the world. They can do whatever they want to do tonight. They can live however they please. I do not want, I'll preach the gospel to them. But listen, if I had to live as the world and in the world, I'd just be a miserable wretch tonight. But I'll tell you, you put me with an old time blood washed crowd that loves to sing about Jesus, loves to go to church, loves to worship the Savior. Hey, that's my crowd, amen. I don't need a, I don't need a fog machine. Listen, I don't need a dance team. I don't need, listen, but I don't need a bunch of blow ups. Listen, I don't gotta have something special every service. You don't gotta bribe me to come to church. You don't gotta, listen, they don't need a rock concert. I don't gotta have a monster truck rally to get me to go to the house of God. I'm telling you, listen, don't gotta come down and have bingo on Wednesday night. Don't need a whole bunch of social gatherings. Oh no. Listen, you know what? Give me that old black back book. Give me those old songs of Zion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. If the church service goes over a little bit on Wednesday night, I'm not looking at my watch. I'm not worrying about when I'm going home. I tell you, just let me be in the house of God. I'm more comfortable here than I am anywhere. Hallelujah. Isn't that the way it is? Thank God. And I feel sorry for people that are always looking for a reason to miss church. I'm looking for a reason to have church. Somebody say amen. Is that right? That's a good way to know you're saved. If you're always looking for a reason to miss, well, let me take my, check my temperature tonight. Amen. Let me look at my toes, make sure I ain't got nothing ingrown or no fungus on any of them tonight. You know, and some people, they live that way. I mean, they've got more excuses. They ought to write a book on excuses on how to miss church. You know what it'd be? It'd be 12 volumes and every volume would be that thick because they spent a lifetime of making up reasons why they miss church. I mean, it wears me down just hearing their reasons. They'd be better off just to come. But the truth of the matter is when they come, they're ready to go from the time they get here. I want to tell you, I'm ready to go from the time I get here. I'm ready ready to go to sit meeting, amen? I'm ready to go to worship. I'm ready to hear some preaching. I'm ready to go, aren't you? I don't wanna come dragging in. I don't wanna come in and just sit back like an old dead stump, you know? I tell you, I wanna get whatever God has. I feel like preaching tonight. I feel liberty in the house of God tonight. I feel good in my soul tonight. I'm telling you, Calvary is the place of paradise because it changes your life, hallelujah. My life has been changed because of Calvary. I'm telling you, if this church was to shut down tonight, if you're saved, I bet you'd do the same thing I'd do. I'd find me another place to go to church. Now, I might have to drive two hours, amen, but uh, you drive an hour. And uh, I might have to drop, but I'm gonna find a good church to go to. Listen, if I gotta if I gotta fly to Montana once a week, I don't know if there's a good one out there. But I'm telling you, if I had to fly to Montana, I'd find me a good church. Uh, I'd pass 49 dead ones to find one that's alive. Amen. I feel sorry for these people. They're all about location, location, location. They're all about what's quicker, what's easier. They're all about the dead. You know, my grandmother went there, and my mother went there, and you know, they're all about being there because of that. I'm gonna tell. 
say it, friend, I want to go to church uh, where I hear about the cross, don't you? I, I want to go to church where I hear a sermon on hell. I want to go to church where the singing sounds like heaven, amen? Not a, not a, a listen, not a honky-tonk, amen? I want to go to church uh, whenever the choir gets up and the choir does get up, amen? I, I want to go to church where they got a choir, amen? I, I want to go to church where somebody uh, wants to stand up uh, and not brag on the flesh uh, and not lift up the devil, but want to magnify Jesus Christ uh, and where people still shout and people still sing uh, and people still praise God uh, and the preacher still preaches past eight o'clock on Wednesday night. I want to go to church. Uh, uh, thank God where people want to go to church. Hallelujah. That's right tonight. It's a place of reunion. You know, I, I, I've got family members and I'm not talking about my mom and dad and my brother. I got family members tonight that, uh, that I just don't have anything in common with. And uh, years ago, they'd have family reunions. And before we, got, before we met the Lord, family reunion was a big deal because it was horseshoes and it was hamburgers and it was hot dogs. And, well, who doesn't like horseshoes and hamburgers and hot dogs, amen? I mean, and that's why it was other things that I never participated in, thank God, because of grace. But that's what it was. And boy, I used to love to go to them family reunions and see people and I'd love to sit around on the back porch and, and eat to eat the food and, and, and sit and listen. And I used to listen to my uncles and others talk. And I thought, man, they're just the greatest people in the world. Anybody ever thought that? And then you got saved. And all of a sudden, I found out something. Them reunions wasn't what they used to be. I never drank beer, never smoked a cigarette, thank God. I'm not bragging, I'm just being thankful. But I would sit around and I'd watch them drink and smoke and I'd think to my, and I really, I thought that, I thought one of these days I'm gonna be just like them because I thought that was a good thing. I thought it was great. It's people I looked up to. Then after I got saved, I remember going to one or two of those things as a teenager, sitting over in a corner, and I thought, thank God, I'm not like them. Lord, help me not to turn out that way. You say, what changed? You think you was better than them? No, I was just saved. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to live that life. I said, man, I, I looked at the church crowd and, and I looked at, at, at some of the family who I love and I pray they all get saved. And I tried my best to give them the gospel down through the years. But I'll tell you, I thought by the grace of God, I don't want that in my home. I, I don't want to live that kind of life. I, I've seen what happens. I've seen the end. I've seen the broken homes and the broken lives and the divorces and everything else that comes with it and all the hell raising and all the trouble. And I thought, man, you know what? I didn't know it, but but that wasn't my crowd anymore. We're still blood kin, but we wasn't part of the same family. I got born in another family, got born again, amen. I'd go back to church with Avery and I'd see that crowd and I thought, man, I hadn't known them but six months or a year, but there's something about them. They all talk about loving each other. They all talking about, listen, helping each other. I wanted to be around that crowd and 30 something years later, thank God, this is still my crowd tonight. I thank God for God's people, don't you? As Brother Laddie said, thank God for the church. Don't you just love the church? Don't you just love the people of God? I'm telling you, it's good. You know what Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night is? It's reunion time. Hallelujah. 
And I tell you, if God's people are coming together, I don't want to miss a reunion, do you? We got in last night about one o'clock, coming down the road. And I tell you, I think we was the only car on the interstate on 59 for about an hour. I mean, it was nothing. And it's coming down the road. Hey, me and my wife was just talking. And we was talking about the church. And we was just thanking God for, for the people of God. Thanking God for this local assembly. Thanking God. You know, there's a lot of people come and gone down through the years. But we was talking about the church. And we're just talking about people that has just stayed. And we're just talking about new people that's come in. We talk about what God's been doing uh, here at the church. And, and you know what? We was just reminiscing. Uh, and I tell you, living for God's the best life you'll ever know. I'm telling you, young people, you hear me and hear me well. Don't sell yourself short by going the way of the world. I tell you, you live for God all the days of your life. Uh, you'll be an old gray-haired person one day and you'll look back down life's road uh, and you'll say, I got no regrets living for God. Uh, I got no regrets going to church. Uh, I'm telling you, tonight, listen, if I died tonight I'd have to say living for God has been the best thing that's ever happened to me and if I had it to do all over again, I'd do it all over again, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just turn around and do it all over again? I like that old song that said if I had a thousand lives to give I'd give them all to the Lord wouldn't you? He is the best thing that's ever happened to any of us and thank God for his church, thank God for his people hallelujah Amen. It's a place of reunion. Let me close tonight. It's a place of rest and it's a place of riches. He said paradise. And can I tell you tonight, friend, that's what the cross is. You say, I don't see no riches at Calvary. Oh, I want to tell you, friend, if you've ever been to Calvary, you know tonight you're as rich as a king. There's riches at Calvary that that the silver and the gold and the diamonds and the rubies and all the precious metals of this world would pale in comparison to and never be able to purchase. Jesus went to Calvary, the greatest debt that's ever been owed. I'm telling you, Bill Gates could not pay the debt of Calvary tonight. Donald Trump could not pay the debt of Calvary tonight. I'm telling you, all the millionaires and the billionaires of this world, all the kings and the princes and the, and the prime ministers and the presidents and the captains of this world, all this world would have to offer and all it would have to afford could never pay the debt that was owed at Calvary. And I'll tell you what did happen, hallelujah. The Son of God left the portals of glory. He left the glory world, laid aside his righteous robe, laid aside his honor, laid aside his majesty, and with his own blood, hallelujah, he went to the cross and at Calvary, he shed the most precious thing in all the universe. You'll tell, I'm telling you, friend, more richer than the oil wells of this world. I'm telling you, there was a fountain a fill of blood that was drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood and they lose all of their guilty stains, hallelujah. Jesus shed his blood that day. I want to tell you the richest jewel that was ever offered was offered on Calvary's cross. The blood flowed from Calvary that day. Calvary, the place of paradise.